Wow. How's everybody doing? You know, we didn't, we didn't check this out. <clears throat> Jason says, you know, as soon as we get a break, we'll check this. And I'm standing down there, and I go, you know what? Never even turned anything on. That's how good God is, and that's how good these guys are but back there. I just, um, on behalf of our lead pastor and our team, I want to welcome you to PLC. I want to tell you, if this is your first time here, you're not here by accident. God has a plan for you. You're here for a reason. If you're watching us online, I just want to tell you you're just as much a part of this family as those that are sitting here, and we want to honor that with you as well. And I know there's a lot of things going on, and the fact is is that if, uh, you know, when you're ready to come back, we're ready for you, and we're going to be. You know, one of the things, my name is Chuck Stecker. I'm a part of the church here. I'm not on the leadership. I, uh, I just get to be part of the church, and periodically our pastor... Uh, he asks me and, and gives me the opportunity to share the word. And there's a couple of things about that. One, it's a very humbling thing when a man that has been given a pulpit by God is willing to share and trust that with someone else. And so the immediate response is, guys, as we talk through it, the word that God, I believe, would have me bring on any given time I'm invited. But there's another part of this that I want to share with you that as I was really praying last night, and for those that know the Steckers, my bride is in Nebraska playing grandma with a bunch of grandkids, and she'll be back in tonight, uh, so she's not here with us. But So last night by myself, I was praying through, and I said, you know, there's another part of PLC that I want you to understand about, and that is we're a place where your gift fits. And that doesn't matter whether you're gender. And we have one of my board members of a ministry that, we're, that I get to lead as a director of this thing. But she wrote a book, 3G Mentoring. And she said gender, ge uh, generations, geographic. And geographic meaning cultural. And you're in a place at PLC where your gifts, regardless of gender, your generation, or your cultural background, there's a place here for you to fit. And I'm, uh, you know, and I started thinking back, Pastor, I'm probably the oldest guy you've had on the platform here. And I, I no, whoa, 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 whoa. I'll tell you when it's funny. That's not funny. I mean, when it's funny, maybe I need a laugh sign that says funny, laugh, okay, got it. But I'm a lot older than you think. And my mother asked me one time, she says, how old are you? And I said, Mom, you know how old I am, but you want me to lie so you don't have to. I said, but Mom, I'm a lot older. Now that was funny. Okay. <laughs> But I said, Mom, I'm a lot older than you think because before I came to know the Lord, I lived dog years, and I got seven-to-one credit for those. My mother looked at me and said, Baby, I got seven-to-one credit for a lot more of your years than you know. But, you know, as a senior, that encore generation, you know, there's a lot of grace that you've got to give us. You really do. And just the fact you think we're old and wise and we perfected this life, there's a lot more going on here. My wife and I have the same general practitioner, our doctor of primary care. And we went, and we had had our annual physicals, and we're sitting there, and, and Gia is her name, and she says, you know, you guys are really doing pretty well. You really are. And I said, well, you know, there's one thing. Both my wife and I, um, our, our ages start with a seven, and then you add numbers. Hers is a lot lower than mine. But the reality, I said, you know, the memory thing is kind of a problem at times. She says, oh, Chuck. Really, at your age, you guys are doing well. You don't have to worry about it. And she says, in fact, if you feel like it's a problem, here's what you can do. Each of you get a little tablet, and when you say something to the other one, just write that down, and you'll remember it, and you'll always have it. I said, great. A couple of nights later, we had finished dinner and everything. We're sitting there together and talking. I said, hey, honey, 
would you like some ice cream? She says, yes. I says, I got up, and she says, you need to write that down. I said, honey, it's one thing. It's ice cream. We do this pretty regularly. She said, okay. I started to walk away, and I said, do you want chocolate on it? And she goes, yeah, of course. And I said, uh, I started saying, she said, Chuck, that's two things. You remember what she said. You need to write that down. I said, honey, it's ice cream and chocolate sauce. And I said, okay. And I got the rest of it, a little whipped cream, cherry on top. You know, she goes, okay. Now you've just hit the limit. That's four things. I said, honey, I got it. We do this all the time. Ice cream, chocolate sauce, whipped cream, put a cherry, bring it to you. I got this thing. About 15 minutes later, I walked back and I handed her a plate with bacon and eggs. She looked up at me and she said, where's my toast? <laughs> okay, just tell you, you've got to have a little grace on this, all right? So here's, a, here's the deal. Um, in 1997, we had been on staff with Promise Keepers for about three years. It was April. It was a Wednesday night in the church we were attending at the time, and God began to give me a message. I was certain it was a message that he was giving me to preach and I would know the moment, so forth. My wife, being a very caring, loving person, sitting there, saw me taking notes, but realized I wasn't writing notes based on what we were hearing. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm okay. She said, no, no, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm fine. I got this. We got all through. And she said, what was that about? I said, I, I believe the Lord gave me a message to preach and to speak. And she said, oh, really? This is where they double check on you guys. You know what I'm talking about. She goes, oh, really? What was it? I said, it's called when the cloud moves. We were sitting in the car and going home, and I explained to her that out of Exodus that God said when he pulled the people out of Egypt after 430 years in captivity, and they went through the ten plagues, and you, if you haven't read that, it's a great story to read of God's faithfulness and what God does for his people. But 430 years, and, and they get to the desert and everything, and God said, but don't worry, I'll guide you by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And that God wants us to be ready to move when God moves. It's not a question of us moving and asking God to bless it. But that God wants us to be ready to move when he moves and he's fully prepared. Wherever he's moving to, he's already prepared us for that. And we've got to get in step with God. And so I said, okay. She says, you need to give that message to the boys and we'll do it as a devotion. Which we did. And it was about two weeks later. Now, all of you married guys out there. You understand this. Our women have a chance to get uh, in the garage, pull out the car, and get on the interstate, put it on cruise control. And we haven't thought about where our keys are yet, but they expect us to keep up. So my wife walks in about two weeks later, and she puts her hands on her hips. Now, she's not here. She says that's not true, but since I'm here, I'll tell you the truth. So <laughs> she puts her hands on her hips, and she goes, that message wasn't for you to preach, was it? And I said, okay, this is two weeks later. I'm actually thinking about other things. Can you believe that? And so she says, that wasn't for you to preach. I said, what was it? She said, that was for us. We're leaving promise keepers, aren't we? And just like that, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't understand the advantage that God has given us through the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to go back to YouTube, to our website, and the messages that Pastor Gavin was finished off last week by Pastor Dawn, and understand what the advantage is. But because in that moment, through the advantage God had given us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we said, we're leaving promise keepers, just like that. The following week, I went in and started preparing to resign from Promise Keepers, not knowing where God was going to take us, but it wasn't a problem. Because when the cloud moves, God knows where he's going, and we've got to trust God in that process. So uh, the ministry, I'll show you if there's a slide up there. We'll just start clipping through some things here. 
That's how you can get a hold of us. We're a chosen generation. If somebody wants to say, Chuck, that was a terrible message. I can't believe the pastor would allow you up there at any age. Fire me a note. Don't bother him, okay? Just send me a note. But you can get to us there on all of those different things. The big idea for today is really pretty simple for me. Um, and that is that God has a heart for each of us to seek, find, and follow and have absolute confidence in his perfect will for us. Several years ago, I was talking to a couple of guys, and uh, I said, God's perfect will. And I said, are you in God's will? And they go, well, yeah, I think we are. And I said, okay, uh, are you in God's perfect will? And they go, well, no, I don't know about that. Let me tell you something, saints. God only has one will. God is perfect. He's infallible. He understands where we are, where we're going, and the plans that he has for us. So if you are in God's will, don't make it less than what it is. You're in God's perfect will. If you're not in God's perfect will, he desires for you to be there. And so let me just start and lay a foundation on this thing for us, and I think that's important. And that is you're not here by accident. The fact of the matter is, when we go to Jeremiah, and I believe that very often, uh, and I should have said this, you're in a church that if you don't know this, we believe in God's holy word is the infallible word of God. Every single word of it, we, we want to use it daily in our lives. It's not something to put on our shelves and recite a couple scriptures on Sunday and think that's going to get us through. It's a daily word for us, okay? And I love that about our church. I loved it when we first got here. I want to share with you the scripture from Jeremiah. Jeremiah God says to Jeremiah, and I own this for myself as well because I want you to own it. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. That one scripture right there has been powerful in my life. And there's some things that I had to get because I had a lot of sin in my life. I had shame in my life. I had done some terrible things in my life. And so I had seasons where, and it was like my dad. My dad didn't come to know the Lord till a month before his 70th birthday. And we'd been reading the Bible together for two years. My dad believed every word of the Bible, believed in God, believed Jesus died, rose again. My dad just believed that what he had done, he said it's the best deal going for anybody except for him. He couldn't believe that God would actually do it for him. And when he did, he got down on his knees. I got down on my knees and I cried like a baby. Now, if there's guys sitting here who said, eh, Chuck, real men don't cry, meet me in the parking lot. Me, Nate, Jason, a couple of guys will teach you. That's a lie. We have you crying like a little girl that lost her doll. Let me tell you something, son. Okay? Shortest word in the Bible is Jesus wept. Get over it. So I'm there with that and so forth. So I, I own this, and I had to get to this part here. I want to break it down for you into three things that are in one verse right here. The very first thing is, is he says, before I formed you in the womb, before God formed you in the womb, before your mom was pregnant, let's make it real, before your mama was pregnant with you, God said he knew you, and he knew you intimately. He knew you intimately. That word knew right there is the same one he uses both ways. In Matthew, where he says the gate is narrow, got this? He said there will be those that are outside, and he'll say, get away from me because I never knew you. That's what God says on that. Here he's using it to say, God knew you intimately before your mom was pregnant. Now there's the next part of this thing. And what he says here is before you were born. Now get this. So he knew you before your mom was pregnant. And if you look at this carefully, while your mom was pregnant, God consecrated you. He sanctified you. He was preparing you for what he had for you. He knew you before he formed you. He knew you and he sanctified, consecrated you in your mother's womb. And then the third part of this scripture is really cool. And then he says, but I appointed you. 
Now, do you get the three things that are happening? When you were born, God appointed you. We use the word ordained, and we've taken that in this, in this time that we live as meaning pastors or priests. The word ordained actually means, the ordained means set apart, right? Set apart on a mission. That's what ordained means for you there. So when you look at that, God says this. God created you for a purpose. God consecrated you, and he set you apart. And God has a mission for you. See, we got to get this right, saints. we got to get this right. For those of you, I said, that are just new, might have just stumbled in, maybe that's your reason to be here. Do you ever think? You're here this morning to understand God created you for a purpose. God consecrated you. He set you apart. God has a mission for you. And then you're in a church where your mission can blossom and grow. So when we talk about the wilderness here, so we've got a foundation. We're here for a reason. What God has done on this. So then we look at this and what God says when he's going to guide us this. And this goes back to Exodus now. As they moved from Succoth and they encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar, or the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of Boy, that didn't copyright. How about pillar of fire by night did not depart? See, I got to read these better, don't I? But you got that? Cloud by day, pillar of fire by night is what he's saying to them. But there's a key in this too. Is he says, look, God's not an eight-hour-a-day God, you know? Well, we take eight this, and then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, and we plan it out. God wants to be in your life every hour, every moment of the day, whether it's on you know, it's in the workplace, whether it's time with your kids. With, you can go through anything you want to name. God desires to be there with you. Now, get this. God doesn't leave you. We're the one that excludes God. God doesn't step away and say, run this one on your own. We're the ones that excludes God in this process here. Okay? So when we look at this, all right, you're not alone in this process. Seeking, finding, following, and having absolute confidence in his perfect will for you and me can be the toughest part of your life. It can be the toughest part of your life. And God has given us a plan for this. And he says, I understand that. One of my favorite verses is in Psalm 78, 5 through 7. And I wrote on this some time ago because these are my legacy scriptures. And I believe that God gave this. And it starts off in 5 through 7. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel. Which, get this word, he commanded our fathers, men... God's talking to us about our role and responsibility for spiritual leadership in our homes, our communities, and in this church. doesn't take a thing away from our ladies. They are looking for men who are going to step up. Understand that. So that their children teach the next generation might know them, and the children yet to be born and arise, and tell them to their children so that they should see their hope in God, not forget the works of God, and keep his commandments. God tells us three things in that last scripture right there. And this is our guide through the wilderness. This is the guide to get us into the wilderness. He says three things, that they would put their trust in God, not forget his deeds, keep his command. God is calling us in a cyclical nature to trust, remember, and obey the living God. That's what God has for us. Trust, remember, and obey the living God. And those are our stumbling blocks. And I think about this with the, with the time in the desert with the, with the Israelites. 430 years they've been in captivity. 
None of them had ever known freedom before. None of them. And so when you look at this, to come out of Egypt and to trust Moses and to go forth with that and the things that happened along the way and then to be in the desert, what was happening there, I believe this is the key right here. First, they had to trust. And in order to reinforce that, they had to remember what God had already done. And then they had to choose, get this, choose to obey. That was the first thing. This issue of trust is very difficult. You know, I... uh, I wish I could tell you that just trusting, let's go to the next one, just trusting on this thing. Oh, it's so simple. Oh, gosh, you're here today. Just trust God. Yeah, real simple, nothing to it. I want to go back to the time here. The issue is sometimes trusting God when you don't understand. I've got great friends, and they're going through a lot of things. And some of my greatest heroes are in this church that are in the midst of just incredible battles in their lives. And they're my heroes, because I look to them and their trust in God has never wavered. But this idea of trusting God when you don't understand, trusting God when you've seen him be faithful over here in a similar circumstance, but he's not bringing that to you. And there are people that would say, well, there just must be sin, and come on, get off that. Let's just trust God with this. And this idea of unconfessed sin and that, look, read the book of Job and how wrong his friends were, where he tried to lead him on that. Do you understand? Everything that happened to Job is because God trusted Job, not because there was sin in his life. Go read the book. It's a good one. By the way, you're also in a church where we believe in the whole thing, you know, the old and new. It's a big book. Let's use it all, okay? Let's use it all. Don't don't base your theology on one scripture. That's what cults do. That's what cults do. We use the whole thing. Got it? That's what Jesus said, the Alpha and the Omega. We got this thing. So here's the thing. When God, let the, when God pulled the people out, you know, you'd think, get me out of here as fast as I can. Have you ever had situations say, this isn't right, get me out of here as fast as you can? Well, what happened was, is God took them a very long route when they left Egypt. And he explains this here in Exodus 13, 17. He says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Why? Although it was near, it was closer, it would have got them there quicker. Because he says, look, they don't know this, but I know this. 430 years in captivity and they've never held a weapon. He says, lest the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt and will return. You see what he's saying here? God has got this infinite wisdom for us, and he understands the depth of these things as we walk through it. And he's saying this very clearly. Look, you may not understand why I haven't brought you through this already. You may not understand why this issue is lingering with you, and you seem to be in a battle and saying, God, couldn't you just move me quicker through this thing? You have the power to clear the way, you know, part the waters, do all of this, right? And those are the times when this trust issue, I think, is really important because we've got to trust God that he knows more about the situation than we do. That's a tough one, isn't it? Let me just tell you, I don't want any hands on this thing, but just kind of raise the hands on your heart because God will acknowledge the acknowledgement from you. And that is, how many are in a battle and you don't understand why God hasn't brought you through this already? You know what I'm saying? How many are in a battle and you're wondering, I'm doing everything I can do. I'm doing everything I can do. I'm here today. Why hasn't God already brought me through this? Here's the real question on trust. When you look at the issue of trust, where are you 
struggling to trust God? Remember we started trust, remember and obey. Where are you struggling to trust God? I can tell you in this group right here, there are some sitting here that are struggling to trust God with their marriage. There are some sitting in here and they're struggling to trust God with their kids. They're in here that they're struggling to trust God regarding their job or their finances or what God is doing with them. You know, you can't, uh, I watched a movie and, and it was kind of interesting because this genius kid in it, but it was, people were saying, here's, our, here's what we're gonna do, what we have to do, what are we gonna do? And he kept going through this. And as you watch through on about three different occasions, then they would through the conversation and go, okay, and then they would finally tell what the problem was. See, you can't solve a problem until you know what the problem is. Can I suggest to you, and I'm going to, there's some in here and you're struggling with trusting, but you have an idea identified trust is the issue in your life. And I want to tell you, love is easy. Love is easy in a marriage. Love is easy in this. Trusting is always the tough part. Loving God is easy. Trusting God is the tough thing. And the more I'm around Christians, the more I feel like there are a lot of Christians that believe they just have no faith. And faith is going to be based on your trust. What are you struggling with? The next issue is this issue of remembering, okay? And I love this in John. And again, I want to go back, just encourage you, just encourage you. Um, and that is the series that we have gone through on the advantage talks about the advantage of the Holy Spirit God speaks to that very clearly our pastors that means our lead pastor took us through a series and pastor Dawn just last week just put put it put the nail in this thing for us that we've got to get but listen to what he says here in remembering but the helper you get that the Holy Spirit do you understand that's the advantage God says I'm giving you an advantage here the helper, the advantage that I'm giving you, who the Father will send, this is Jesus speaking here, by my name, he will teach you all things and bring to what? Your remembrance. Do you understand? We're trying to do some things on our own when God has given us the power to do it. And we got to get through this thing and say, I got to trust God. You know, this issue of obedience on this will only happen when we trust and we remember. Here's the things that God has already done. In 1994, we moved here to this area, and um, I hadn't been, I had actually been accepted at Promise Keepers, but we didn't have a house to live in. It was much like the market right now. It was just, everything was getting outbid and so forth, and that we had actually put an offer on a house, and I was going out to preach in western Colorado, and on, while we were there, I found out that it didn't work. We're riding back, and uh, just Billy and I, we're on this, and our sons were coming in, and oh my gosh, I had to have a place for my family to live. And my wife uh, in the car, she says, what are we going to do to live? And I said, I'm, I'm just trusting God. I don't know. She said, where are we even going to stay? We were staying in a place on Sunday night. We had to be someplace else Monday night. We had a dog, and it was crazy. All the hotels said no, no pets. And um, she said, where are we going to stay tomorrow night? I said, I don't know. But here I am, you know, trying to go through this. And the bottom line is, I said, God's going to take care of it. We got back in, and what, uh, what had happened there was we had seen a flyer, and the flyer had actually indicated a house in a neighborhood we couldn't afford, so that's the best place to buy. And uh, <laughs> can I get a witness, right? And it would lead to so many other things. And as we pulled in, we were going to go look at this. 
and kids came running out and so forth. But the last thing my wife said was, and some of you, I love it with the folks that are, well, you're not my age, but you have some similar memories of the miracle on 34th Street. You remember that movie, right? And all the little girl wanted was a house, and she had given him, and she says, if you're really Santa, and I don't do the Santa thing, but it was a great movie, you got this. And then as they're pulling away at the very end of it, the little girl's sitting in the back seat, and she's not believing, but she's going, I believe, I believe, I believe. And then they pass this house. Now, this is, I mean, it's a movie, so stay with me. She goes, Uncle Fred, Uncle Fred, stop the car. And, you know, she jumps out and she runs in. The door's open, go figure, right? But everything's just the way it's supposed to be. There's a swing in the back and you go through and the house is empty. And the, the couple, right, at that moment figured they better get married if they were going to buy a house. But they look in the corner and there's a cane. And it was the cane from this guy that said he was Santa Claus. My wife said, why can't it be like Miracle on 34th Street? We drive by, Uncle Fred, Uncle Fred, stop the car. Well, first of all, I'm not Uncle Fred, so that wouldn't happen. But we go, and what happens is the kids all do the Oklahoma land rush, and they go up to their room, right? And then they're picking out which room. My wife and our realtor you know, um, go to the kitchen. Us guys, guys, we go to garage and basement because we want to know if there's a place for us, don't we? Okay? <laughs> I step out into the garage. Remember, my wife had just prayed for Miracle on 34th Street, right? And, but she said she didn't pray for movies, but we did pray that God would give us the house, and we needed it right away. Kids had to be in school. I walk out to the garage, and I'm looking for steps, and I first go to the light switch. I hit the light switch, and then I start down the steps to make sure I get them, and I look up, and hanging right in front of me is a cane. That cane now hangs on our fireplace. God is a God that we can trust. God is a God we can trust. But the reason I tell you that is, I've told that story over and over to our kids. We'll be sitting there and they'll say, tell us the story again, Dad, of how we got the house. Grandkids now, tell us a story again, Papa. We must remember what God has done in this. Then the next step is obviously we gotta be obedient here. We've gotta do the things that we need to do. So, did I skip that part there? Okay, one of the reasons that we do communion here and we do it regularly at PLC, and by the way, I'm, I'm just gonna tell you something. This isn't in the script. <laughs> Somebody was praying today that God would give me the things that I hadn't thought about, but that's a dangerous, dangerous thing. You got it? We're a church that believes in communion and there's reasons for it. It's not just the motions that we go through and so forth. And there's always communion cups available in this church and so forth. And I would tell you this, if you're sitting here today and you said, boy, I just wish I could take communion. And we're gonna talk about response afterwards. But you say, I wish I could take communion. I wanna tell you this and make you the promise. There are communion cups available and you get with one of our prayer partners and we'll explain this. And there's two places and you say, would you grab communion cup? I would really like to take it. This church will make sure that you can. And that's not just today, but that's available for you any Sunday. But we take communion and here's why. So he took the cup and he had given thanks and he said, take this, divide it among your for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes and he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he gave it to them saying this is my body which is given to me do this in remembrance of me right and likewise after the cup they had eaten he says this cup is poured out for you the new covenant of my blood and then he goes on to say 
do this, or right here he says what? Do this in remembrance of me. One of the things about communion is simply this, is that very often we treat it like God commands us to do this periodically as a memorial. We serve a living God. We don't do memorials to God. You see, that better reads is because he took the two most common things that were available that they had, bread and wine. They had them all the time. He took the most common of things that they used every single day and most likely had at most meals. You got that? The most common things Jesus took and he said, every time you do this, will you remember me? Just every time you do this, will you remember? It's not a memorial to something's dead. We don't do memorials. We serve a living God. This is about, think about God is all he's asking as we do this. So he says, remember this. And he's just saying this. Are you really struggling to remember what God has done for you? Are you struggling to remember what God has done for you? If you are, when we go into our prayer time and our time and response, think about what has God done for you? And maybe that's going to move you to the cross, we'll explain, to pray or to a prayer. Just to say, gosh, I just forgot about how good God has been to me. The third issue on this is to obey. What he says here is simply this. Don't just be doers of the word. Uh, be doers of the word, not only hearers, deceiving yourself. James said, don't just listen to the word, but get up off your fanny and do something with it. I know that doesn't sound scriptural, but that works for me. You understand? Get up and move. Do something with what God is telling you. If that's respond to his word, if that's serve and the things of that nature there. And here's the real question on this issue of obedience. Talk to a lot of people and I struggle. Are you demanding God to be more faithful to you before you will be more obedient to him? Just ask that question. Are you demanding of God to be more faithful to you and give you what you want before you'll decide to be more obedient to him? I just want to tell you it's a treacherous track that you're on then because God's telling us to trust, remember, and obey. And listen to this, Psalm 78, 5 through 7. But listen to Psalm 78, 8, because everyone gets a decision here. I was preaching and, and speaking, and one of the guys said, but I'm the first Christian in my family. How can I do what it says in Psalm 78, 5 through 7? I don't have that heritage. And then I took him to Psalm 78, 8. And they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn, rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Saints, every day you get a choice. Every day you get a choice. Now let me just tell you something on this obedience. The big question here is very often, are you using the behavior of others as an excuse for your bad behavior and disobedience? Well, they didn't treat me right. He deserved for me to smack them. He didn't treat me right. They didn't treat me right. The government's not treating me right. This person here, are you using others, right, as an excuse for your bad behavior and disobedience? Because I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's a dog that won't hunt with God. Some of you have no clue what I just said. That's a, kind of a southern thing, you understand? All right? That's not going to work. God's calling us to obedience regardless of what else is going on around us. So, it's very simple. When the cloud moves, real simple. Let's go on past. All right? Are you ready to move with God or demand that God move with you? That's the real question that you've got to get. The big idea, let me just say it again for us, is simply on this. And that is God's heart is for each one of us to seek, find, follow, and have absolute confidence in his perfect will for us. I want to give you four things. You've heard me speak here before. Some of you can go, guys, Chuck, can't you change those? No, it's the same song, different fiddle. 
But there are four things. Yeah, some of you didn't get that either, did you? Okay. That's a southern thing. Let it go. My wife's from Kentucky. Come on. And half the military bases I served at were in the south. I want to give you four things here that I think are important to us. Obviously, I've laid a foundation here on this part that God knew you before he formed you in your mother's womb. God then, while you were in the room, and there, there's that whole process. You've got to get that relationship. But this idea of through the desert, what got them there safely, what took them through the desert was simply this, was this issue of trust, remember, and obey. We're here to help you as a church. We are. And we're not here to help you because we're above you and oh, poor you. No, no, no. Don't even think that way, right? We're here because we're in the same place you're at. Every person you see serving, we're in a battle. Our pastor, and if you want to get to know a couple, talk to our lead pastor, Pastor Don. They'll tell you. What a great testimony. But they'll tell you the battle they're in at the same time. We're open, we're transparent, and we're in this together. And when you're in something together, you got to do life together. I want to give you four recommendations on this. First, make weekend services a priority. If you can't be here, there's online capability. But folks, we need each other. We desperately need each other. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. All right, got it? And that applies to me. And, and remember, I'm just one of y'all. I'm just a peep here with everybody else. And periodically, I have the privilege of being here. But don't elevate this above anything it should be. All this in is more humbling than raising up for me. Here's the second thing, getting a life group. The sign-ups today are the life group. You've got two of them that are very sensitive. But you need to be in a life group. I'm in a life group. I, uh, I'm 74 years old in a couple of months. I've been in a lot of men's groups. Our Wednesday morning group, the man God uses, is the safest, best men's group I've ever been in. Now, for you ladies, that doesn't do you much good, but you'll look out there. There's a ton of life groups. A Sunday morning message alone is not going to be enough to get you through the week. We need each other. So I've got Sunday. I've got stuff that I do, people, but I've got a Wednesday morning group because that's my tough day is my Wednesday. And it just turns out there. Here's the third thing that you've got there. Find a place, serve in your giftedness. I told you that this idea of, of your gifts, there's a place here. You know, most Sundays, this is what you're going to see on me. Uh, I have the privilege of serving on the prayer team. Most Sundays you'll either see me on the wall down there or up here being available. It's um, not something that I do because I'm special. It's, do, it's what God's called me to, and our church trusts us. Your gift matters. Your gift fits. You're in a good place. The, third, the fourth thing here is simply this. Just impact your world. Just impact your world. That's what God's calling us to. And quit looking at the globe and looking around. That's your world right there, okay? I, uh, let me pray for you right now, and then we're going to go into some response time that's very, very important to PLC. But let me just pray over the word that we've had, and I've been praying, and I've got people. It's interesting. There's probably 150 to 200 people that are praying around the world for this service today because they know how desperately I need the support, believe me. That's not a joke, but that's the truth. But there's at least that many praying just for these services today at PLC. So, Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. Father, I pray that, Father, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, the advantage that you've given us, Lord, that we would understand that you knew us before you formed a mother's womb, that while she was even pregnant and when we were born, you had a plan and a purpose and a mission for us, and you set us apart and sanctified. I pray, Father, in the area of weakness for each one of us, whether it's trust, 
remember or obey, that, Father, you, uh, you would draw us personally close to you. And, Father, I thank you for the privilege of being here. We ask all of this. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of God's sons and daughters said, Amen. We come now to our response time. One of the most important things that we do in this church is we believe very strongly that God has called you here for a reason. And one of the most important reasons, I shared a little bit about my dad, is to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Our church believes that everyone deserves a credible offer of the gospel. One of the things that I fear the most is somebody would get to that moment of judgment, standing before the Lord, would have been in where I spoke, and they would have helped be able to tell God, nobody ever told me the truth. Here's the truth. The only way to the Father and eternal life is through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who died on a wooden cross for each one of us. If that, if you do not have that saving knowledge, I'm going to ask you, everyone, just bow your heads right now. And it's very simple. If Jesus Christ were standing here today, could you look at him and say, I know you, and you have every confidence in your heart beyond a shadow of a doubt that our Lord and Savior would say, I know you, and I will present you spotless to our Father. If you do not have that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, God says all we have to do is confess our sins, and he is faithful to forgive those and acknowledge that Jesus Christ died for us. As I pray this prayer very quickly, if that is you and you do not have that absolute surety that Jesus Christ would call you by name, just raise your hand where you're at. Father, I pray right now for the hearts of every person here. If there's anyone here that does not know you, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I pray that this would be the moment of strength that they would need to say, this is my day. Would you just raise your hand right where you're at if that's your decision? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you very much. Just put your hand down. God's seeing each one of you. Would you all pray with me as we pray with those who are making the greatest decision of their life? Father in heaven, we acknowledge that we have sinned and that you sent your son to die on a cross, shed his blood to cover our sin. We thank you we ask you to forgive us and take us into the family to walk with you as fully devoted, spiritually maturing followers of Christ. Amen and amen. Let's give them a hand clap. <laughs>